thanks, uh, Chris, and thank all of you for uh, not only for having us here and hosting us this weekend, uh, for giving us the opportunity to speak and the opportunity to preach. Um, I was thinking about uh, this morning, uh, earlier I gave a presentation in the Sunday School and showed the last Sunday that I was in Peru, which was back in June, when we were saying our goodbye to the church that we planted and we're turning over to someone else. That's the last time I preached. So this is uh, uh, kind of, it's fun to be able to be back in the pulpit. I've been on sabbatical, and, and uh, it's fun to be able to have my first time back be with you guys. Um, and having Chris preach those times is always a tremendous relief, so don't listen to anything that he says. When you, whenever you've done solo church planting, you know it's really great to have someone come in and help out in the spot. Um, so this morning, um, we're going to continue in the, the theme uh, of missions. Uh, it's really... For me, a delight to be able to talk about this uh, topic, and I'm going to start off uh, with uh, sharing with you from um, this book that I just finished called Lone Survivor. It's this movie that just came out. I just finished the, the book, and some of you may have read that, but it's about the story of uh, uh, four Navy SEALs going on a mission that goes, goes wrong. Um, but uh, as you read the book, and if you have a chance to, obviously the movie is, is quite violent, but um, it's quite powerful, quite moving. People have asked me, what, uh, did you like it? It's not the kind of movie that you say whether you liked or not. It's just a movie that you experience because it's really kind of a memorial to these men that, that gave their lives. But in the book Lone Survivor, Marcus Luttrell's the author. He's the one seal that survived of the four. Um, he paints this picture of their attitudes as seals going on this mission. And there's one there of just this complete conviction of and commitment to the mission, believing in the mission, whatever they're sent to do, they're going to go do it. And then this other thing of complete confidence in themselves and in their ability to beat anybody. And they talk about the Navy SEAL training and and uh, how they really believe and uh, know that they're the best warriors in the world and they can take on anybody. And so even though the mission really goes wrong, tragically, and they're outnumbered 50 to one, the thing that really hit strikes you is that they never think that they're losing. They always are just thinking they're going to win. And, and they just keep fighting to the very end. And that attitude uh, in the passage that I'm going to read for us right now, um, of, in that concept of, of being on a mission and having a confidence that's going to take place. You know, uh, Jesus is uh, on a mission, and he's given that mission to his church. And, and we with him carry that out. We do it, and we kind of get off track like this, these SEALs and their mission that got off track. But the, as we read this passage, I want you to kind of read and think about the mission and what's taking place with the church and think about the one person who's leading that mission, which is Jesus, who never gets off track. And he never believes he's going to lose, and he never will. He's invincible. That's what comes through in this passage that I want to kind of draw our attention to today, Jesus being on a mission. Uh, that he is going to accomplish, and nothing's going to stop it. So we're going to read in Acts uh, chapter 11, um, starting with um, verse 19. Acts 11, 19, we're going to read verses 19 to 30. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this 
came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. We're going to pray right now. And I'd like to, for you to, to us to pray this prayer. And we're going to pray that the Lord uh, Jesus would give us his heart uh, for this mission of his kingdom that he's called us to. And that he'd also show us what our role is. What I want you to do is, as we close our eyes, I want you just to pray for the person on your right first and then the person on your left. That Jesus would put in that person his heart for the mission. And then also show that person their role in that mission. Okay? Can we do that? Let's close our eyes. First, we pray for the person on our right. And now, likewise, the person on your left, that Jesus would put his heart for his mission in their hearts and show them their role. We do pray that for all of us, Lord. And we ask that you would do that through your Holy Spirit and that you would use your word uh, in that process this morning. And we ask this in your name. Amen. This is the first time in a long time that we have been in the United States for a home assignment. First time that we've uh, been there here, I think, since 2005 when it's been the fall. Uh, one of the things that I love to do when we're back here, because we live in the city, uh, we've lived there for a long time now. And one of the things that we miss a lot, uh, especially what I miss, is being outdoors, being in nature, camping, hiking, hunting. I haven't hunted in a long time, and this year I had a chance to do that with my son. So we uh, went bow hunting. and. I, Opening day was end of September, and, and uh, I've hunted before. This is the first time bow hunting, but just being in the woods is great. So we set up, we scouted this one area. Set, we had two stands. We, one was close to the road. The other was about 50 yards straight into the woods. And um, so we kind of saw that it was a good, they're both good spots. And so the morning of opening day, of course, it's pitch black, dark. And we go to the first stand, which is close to the road, and I leave Emmett there. And then I'm going from there, walking to the next stand. And... It's all different in the dark. <laughs> so even with the flashlight, I kind of knew it was about a certain distance, so I could walk and look at my flashlight. Everything looked the same. It's all trees. And if you've ever been lost in the woods, it's not fun, and especially in the dark, especially opening day. So I eventually, I never could find it. And instead of going back to him and sort of retracing my steps, I just kept trying to find it, which made me even more lost. And um, in the end, I end up just kind of hunkering down someplace by a little clearing that I, God sort of provided. But I was afraid I'd wandered on someone else's property or I was going to be like right in front of another hunter, you know, when the, when the sun came up. Um, but what I needed to do was I needed to have a compass to have kind of planned out better how to get from the one stand to the other. But would have been, what, what would have been ideal, though, is to have had someone there who knew the way that I could have just followed. 
And as I think about it, that's kind of when I was growing up, as, when I was younger and I was hunting, I was always with somebody else. And they were kind of taking me. So now I'm with my son and you know, I'm kind of responsible. And then I'm the one, of course, that gets lost. And so I think when we think about getting lost, I think in the passage that we've read, you see a little, and we're going to talk about this a bit, about the church that's on this mission. They're striking out. They've been given this mission from Jesus uh, to preach the gospel. They kind of get off track. They get, there's, there's persecution we read about here. Um, probably some doubt, some confusion, some fear. Um, and they really need someone to lead them, to, to, to follow, so that they know the way. And they have that. That's what the text really in, in, in Acts is all about, is that Jesus is on that mission. And the church just follows him. And, and that's the theme that, that we're going to uh, think about today, that Jesus is on a mission. And because he's on a mission, we must, as his church, follow him. Um, in Acts, uh, you know, Luke wrote both Luke and Acts. And if you um, look back in Acts chapter 1, you can kind of think of Luke and Acts as like two volumes of one work. And Acts is kind of like the second volume. Um, and when he begins the second volume in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, he, in, he begins it in an interesting way. He says, in the first book, uh, talking about Luke, the, book, the gospel of Luke, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them, he presented himself alive after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 years, 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me uh, from John, for John baptized with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. And then they ask him some questions. And later on in verse eight, he says, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see the sort of the feel there. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but the feel is Jesus is commanding. He's giving orders. Um, he's telling them what he wants them to do. Um, but Luke describes it in a way that he said, you know, what I, all that I talked about in the gospel of Luke, Jesus his life, his teaching, his death, um, his resurrection, his ascension. He says, I told you there about all that he began to do and teach. And the implication is, is that what he began there is still going on. That was just the beginning. We're in the continuation of that mission. That mission just began. We're still going. He's in heaven, but he's given his Holy Spirit to us. And the mission can. But he, through the Holy Spirit, is continuing on his mission. And we're a part of it in a very unique way as his church, as his body. Um, as you read through Acts, you in, in your Bibles, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. But many people think it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus who is on the move. It's Jesus who has this mission. It's Jesus who um, is the one who believes in the mission, who's carrying the mission forward, who's the hero. What you see is, is that even though he's, he gives these, these uh, disciples these commands, that they're slow to kind of understand of what, what, what really they're supposed to be about. They kind of get off track easily. You know, when Jesus um, was baptized in, in the Gospels, um, he comes up out of the water, John baptizes him, and you guys remember the Holy Spirit comes down upon him. And um, the Holy Spirit rests on him in the form of a dove. Why did that, why was, what was taking place there? The Father was saying, this is my son. But the Holy Spirit is for equipping. And he was being equipped now with the Holy Spirit for his ministry, for his mission. To teach, to heal, to touch, 
um, to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to establish the kingdom, to die, to save, to ascend, and to have his kingdom extend to every inch of this earth. You receive the spirit for that. And you see here in Acts, he's promising that same Holy Spirit to the disciples to carry on that work, that establishment of his kingdom through the preaching of the gospel, salvation through the name of Jesus alone. That's the mission. And Jesus is the one who still is carrying it forward. He is the hero. What happens in Acts is, as it unfolds, um, is that you have uh, later on in chapter 8, if you look there in your Bibles, chapter 8, verse 1, you see that um, Pentecost happens. The Holy Spirit falls on the, on the apostles, on the disciples, and they're preaching with tremendous boldness in Jerusalem. Remember, they've had, they've, they have been told that you're going to receive this Holy Spirit and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That is part of what he's calling them to, why he's giving them the Holy Spirit. In the first number of chapters, you see them in Jerusalem primarily. And then what happens in chapter 8? Uh, verse 1, after uh, Stephen is uh, martyred, is killed, says that there's a tremendous uh, opposition, the persecution that arises. And they were all scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And it says that they buried Stephen, etc. But you see this little, this little thing here, that they are scattered not because they kind of receive that command and they go. For some reason, they kept staying in Jerusalem. And it was this persecution that happened that... God just like forced them out first to Judea and Samaria, where he had actually called them to go. The apostles stay back. We don't know exactly why. I don't know that it was totally just only disobedience. They were probably caring for the church. But you just see the picture of the church is it doesn't quite get it. It doesn't quite get the mission. But Jesus is committed to the mission and he allows the persecution. That's part of his plan to scatter them out. And they go to Judea and to Samaria. And then later on in the, in, the, in the chapter that we have read, in the passages that we've read, it talks about what happened, t- took place there also, is people went further on, outside of Judea and Samaria, but they went to other places, as we've looked at, Phoenicia, which was to the north, Cyprus, which was out to the west in the ocean, the, the island there, Cyprus, uh, and then to Antioch, which is more to the north, up into Syria. So they, they, they just were scattered, but they were scattered. They were being pushed out by that persecution on this mission, not totally understanding and even the leaders, as I said, there's some kind of question there as to whether they were just even almost more confused than the regular disciples. And they stayed there in Jerusalem. But what's clear is that Jesus has a mission. He's going to have it done. He's going to see it done. So what I want to look at is three things today for us as we think about that. OK, Jesus is on this mission. Who is called to go on it? Where are we called to go? And how are we supposed to do this? So the first thing is who is called to this mission, Um, and it's the church. Um, But one thing I want us to to think about here is that the church, lay people, members, and leaders, both alike, in in team. That's what we see here in in this text. Um, Returning to chapter 11, um, in uh, verses 19 uh, through 21, it says here that people were scattered, and it says it uses the term uh, disciples, that they were disciples that were scattered. We see that it wasn't the apostles, like I said before, that went. These were, these were believers in the church in Jerusalem who had likewise received that Holy Spirit. But it's not anybody with a title. It's just people that were scattered. And they were talking about Jesus. And they then talked in other places. They went to other regions. Um, 
And we see that later on when the church, when, when God really blessed this, he blessed their speaking. And it says um, that they were preaching the Lord Jesus and that the hand in verse 21, the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. So God blesses them. And we see Jesus saying, yes, you can almost hear him saying, that's exactly what I wanted to be done. And the blessing then is poured out as they're speaking outside of Jerusalem, outside of Judea and Samaria. They're now in the towards the ends of the earth. And Jesus is giving his blessing to that. It says here that then the church back in Jerusalem heard about this and they sent Barnabas. So you see, leaders eventually came. Leaders were needed to help. But the whole endeavor is takes place by the whole church. And so what I, what I, the first thing that I want to uh, say to us is just to have this uh, concept established that a missionary um, is a Christian. A missionary is a uh, not a professional Christian, but is a person who is just captivated and compelled by the gospel, by Christ, to go forth and to speak to others. They have a a sense of uh, uh, an urgency to do that. And it's it, it is it is not just our leaders that have that call. It's not just our elders or our pastor. It's every person who has the Holy Spirit is a missionary. And they work together in team. I think it's really interesting here in this passage. You get this concept of uh, not a, not a uh, tension between lay people and leaders, but you see lay people being the ones that are first blessed. Like I said before in verse 21, you see here it says that the hand of the Lord was with these believers with no title that went out and spoke. And many people came to the Lord. Later on, the church recognized they send Barnabas, a leader. And what happens? There's blessing there, too. It says the report of this came to the ears of the church and they sent Barnabas uh, to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So when Barnabas comes, even more people or those people were were strengthened in their faith. But you have this vision of a leader coming in to strengthen and encourage common everyday believers uh, speaking about Christ and being blessed by God and them working together. And then what does Barnabas do? This idea of team. The first thing that he does, he sees how many people there are and he goes to find who? It says he goes up to find Saul and Saul is up in Tarsus, which was a long ways away. It wasn't, wasn't a short distance. And it says there in, uh, in verse 20, uh, I need my glasses, sorry. I'm kind of in this transition here. And, um, it says in, uh, in verse 25, so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And what happens? For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And so you see this idea of leaders, lay people working together in the mission as a team. And there's blessing with the, in the leader's role. There's blessing of the, the, uh, to the, the folks that are just out on the street talking. There's, there's, a, there's a teamwork aspect that's taking place on the mission. And you also have the idea of, uh, of Barnabas going to seek Paul. Paul had disappeared for a number of years. We don't really know what he did after he preached in Damascus and had to flee. Um, and he was up in Tarsus, apparently, for a number of years. Possibly he was with the Lord Jesus for three years out in the, in the desert, um, receiving his discipleship from the Lord directly. But that's really kind of uh, unknown. But we, what we do know is that Barnabas originally had, had been with him at the beginning and had introduced him to the brothers in Jerusalem. So he had a relationship with him. And then he went to go find him, probably to, in some ways, having a, a discernment and understanding that he needed to get in the game. 
and what was happening in Antioch. And then, of course, Barnabas needed the help. So you see leaders working together. Barnabas doesn't want to do it all. He needs help. So he goes to find uh, Saul. And Saul, of course, eventually becomes the leader of the entire movement and the apostle to the Gentiles. So who is to go? Everybody. That's the point. You know, um, since we've been back, one of the things that touches me the most is when I'm in uh, groups and we recognize the uh, soldiers, uh, the military, the people that have served. And I was thinking about that, that, you know, we as civilians have the opportunity to to support the troops in lots of different ways. There's lots of different organizations that uh, that we can do that through um, uh, up to some people going and visiting. Um, and, but then in those, in those moments when we're here, we recognize those soldiers that have come home or have served in the past. Um, we recognize them and they stand up and, and we thank them for their service. And, but in all of that, there's always a distinction between those who have gone and served and those who are civilians and the role that we have back here supporting them. Fine. But there's a distinction. There's a soldier and then there's a civilian, but you know, um, in this concept of, uh, of the mission, um, it's a little bit different. Uh, I, I had, um, for us as Christians, there's a, there's a different sort of concept that we should have that oftentimes we don't. And it's this. I, I, I stayed with a family when I was uh, speaking at a, at a missions conference in Virginia a couple of months ago. And the husband was an Iraq war veteran. And he um, was telling me about some of his experience. He was on the original evasion in 2003. And I asked him what his role was. And basically his role, he said, I was, we were basically AT&T on wheels. And we were providing the communication for the entire thing. So we had to go in initially, set up all the communications, had all this high-tech uh, gear for their communications things, and then they guarded that stuff. So eventually they, they, the, the, the troops moved on ahead of them, and they'd be behind with all that communication. Well, I'll tell you, if, his name is Stephen. If Stephen is in a group of people and they want to recognize the soldiers, he's going to stand up. He wasn't a front-line soldier. He was a supply-line soldier. But if you're going to recognize soldiers... Both the front line and the supply line guys are going to stand up because they're they're carrying guns. He's protecting his AT&T equipment. He's out there in the field. And we understand that concept. That's the concept that we should have about missions. Not that there's those who go and then there's there's soldiers and civilians. No. If we're going to talk about who are the missionaries and recognize the missionaries, everybody stands up. Because if you don't go, you're in the supply chain. You're in the supply line. You're at risk and you're you're invested in supporting what is taking place in the mission, through support, through praying, through giving. But you have a mentality of a soldier, a mentality of a person who's been called by the king, by the invincible one, by the one who has the mission, Jesus Christ, to establish his kingdom in every inch of this earth. I'm part of that. I have a role to play in that. And that's how I understand myself. And that's what you see here. You see lay people, you see leaders, you see them working together in team. That's who's to go. And that's the attitude and the mindset that we should have. Um, there's much more here. Um, I want to just touch briefly on the other two. The, who's to go is everybody. We're all, and we should have that concept of ourselves. Where are we to go? The text here uh, talks about um, how these guys went further away from Jerusalem. They went to the ends of the earth. Um, my statement that I just want to make there is that wherever the Spirit leads us, that's where we're to go. And the Spirit leads in lots of different ways. Um, there are m- multiple things here in this text. Uh, you see God's providence at work, persecution scattering people out, just God moving people from one point to the, n- to the next almost against their will. 
Um, you see the church saying to Barnabas, you need to go. So the church speaks to somebody and says, encourages him to do that. Um, you see the believers there in Antioch when they hear about the famine and the need of the believers in Jerusalem. We're talking together and saying this is an opportunity for us to help. And so there's opportunities that are shared and then they send stuff. They send help. So people get involved helping to send things. And those types of things, um, you see uh, people like Barnabas who grew up in Cyprus. I mean, he was a Jew, but he grew up in Cyprus. He's the one they send to talk to these Greeks that have just come to faith. And so he's got something in his background that fits him for that. All these elements are things that God uses when he calls you, when he shows you where to go. But he's going to show you to go somewhere. That's the that's the message here. He's on this mission. And one of the things that you see uh, that you see here is that the movement is always outward. And it's outward out of your geographics, out of your comfort zone. There's always an outwardness. Imagine what you know about Paul as a Jew of Jews. And what did God make him? Was there anything in his background that suited him for that? I said before, sometimes something in your background can help you talk to people better than others. But the wonderful thing is that with the mission, Jesus, in a sense, is the one calling the shots. He's going to use lots of different things. But you are part of that mission. The Jew of Jews becomes the apostle to the Gentiles. Amazing. Paul was moved out of his comfort zone, people. We're going to be moved out of our comfort zone in this mission. A soldier that goes out is going to be moved out. It's going to be challenging. And, but we're to go wherever the Holy Spirit leads us on this mission. And we have to understand that that is going to be increasingly outward. I was talking to a friend um, who is doing a church plant in Nashville, Tennessee, where we're kind of located. And he's working a lot with Chinese people. And he was talking to me about the changing demographics in the United States and how there is just it, nothing is typical anymore. You have people coming in from all kinds of places. There's international students on universities that most of the time never see the inside of an of American person's home. I mean, there are opportunities all over the place. And what he was telling me was that he has a challenging time getting people just from the Nashville area to participate in what he's doing. Because it's just such this jump to think about, well, what would I say to a Chinese person? Or, or, or you know, what, what would I... And the concept is, I don't want to move outward. I, I, that there's, there's fear there. I want to kind of stay in a certain circle. And, and what this text teaches us is that the Holy Spirit, and we prayed earlier, the Holy Spirit would show us our role in the mission. What we need to expect is that there's going to be an outward movement out of me towards you, towards the world that Jesus is saying, I am going to conquer every inch, and you're going to be part of that. And how are we to do it? I think the thing I just want to say here is when uh, Barnabas came, said he saw among those people who had been converted the grace of God. And he was glad, it says. He was so happy. And when you think about how, the reason I had us pray what we prayed before is that a lot of times you can hear messages about missions and you can come away with a sense of guilt. Um, and that's really inappropriate. Because the message of the scripture of Acts is that the church often gets off track. We don't have what it takes. My friends, Paul was not born with a heart for the Gentiles. That was given to him. And when we understand from the scripture what our king wants, what he's doing, what he's committed to in missions, and seeing his kingdom established, his gospel preached everywhere, we just need to understand, okay, that's for me. Now, Jesus, I need this grace. This tremendous grace. These guys went and they spoke about Christ. 
They were compelled to do so. And there was blessing. There was grace. And so what I want to leave with just encouraging you is, is that um, Jesus, if you begin to ask the question, Jesus, what's my role? What What do you want me to do? I understand that this is part of my calling. Maybe I don't understand exactly where I fit in. Show me that. And he will do that. He'll answer that prayer. And it'll be something that will be wonderful, will be amazing. The experiences that we have had uh, in our uh, 12 years in Peru, some of the experiences we've had have been just incredible. And, and each time, you don't come away with this sense of, wow, look what I did. You come away with this sense of what a privilege to be able to be here and seeing what Jesus is doing. You know, the, you know the story in the Old Testament of Ruth when she goes to advocate for her and, and, and help her, her, her mother-in-law, Naomi, and she goes to Boaz's field, and she follows behind the, the guys, and Boaz says to them, leave some for her to pick up. When we have this idea of the harvest field, going into the harvest field, guys, Jesus is already there. And your role as a missionary, whether it's local or at a greater distance, is just to follow behind him. And he's the one that's leaving the ears for you to pick up. He's the one plowing through and doing it. And the confidence that we can have is that he loves us so much, he spilled his blood for me. And now he calls me to be right with him. How do you, go, how do, you do this? You stay close to him. You believe what you're preaching. That he loves me. And that he's got a calling on my life. And he's in me. And that he is going to show me and give me what I need to do this. That I'm going to have great grace and the joy that comes with that like Barnabas had. So where? Wherever the Spirit leads. How? By the grace of Christ. Who? Everybody. And when they call for the missionaries to be recognized, everybody ought to stand up. Pray the Lord show you, give you that heart for what he's doing in the world. And that he show you what your role is in it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for coming after us. Thank you, Lord, that you have sought each one of us out as a part of this conquering that you're doing in all the earth for your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for making us part of the kingdom. And we pray that you would increasingly, through the Holy Spirit's leading, Show us what our role is in the advancement of the kingdom to the nations. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.